tonight, I get to read from Luke 2 about the birth of Jesus. So at the time, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for their census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem and Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her, to, her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, that is good news, really, really good news. We are so delighted that all of you have joined us tonight for Christmas Eve. I recently read about a little girl riding the back seat uh, with mom and dad after church on her way home, and she had just drawn a picture uh, for her teacher, and she said, look, mommy, teacher says that I drew the most unusual picture she's ever seen of the Christmas story. Her mother took one look, and then uh, she agreed with the teacher. And she said uh, to her daughter, why are all these people riding in an airplane? And her daughter quickly said back, that's mother, that's Mary and Joseph's flight to Egypt. <laughs> Accepting that part of the picture, her mother then asked, who is the mean-looking man at the front of the plane? And she said, well, that's Pontius, the pilot. <laughs> Continuing to look closely at the picture, her mother asked another question. She said, I see Mary and Joseph. I see the baby. Who is that very large person behind Mary? And she said, Mommy, that's the round John virgin. The question is, if you were to draw a picture of Christmas, what would you draw? What would be in your picture of Christmas? We have a lot of fun traditions, great traditions. 
Maybe your picture would include a Christmas tree with uh, bright, colorful decorations and lights, homes uh, decorated inside and out uh, with lights or a nativity scene. There's a lot of traditions we have. Maybe it would be drawing a, a picture of somebody singing Christmas carols, listening to Christmas music, celebrating Christmas parties with great food and way too much sugar. Your picture might include giving and receiving gifts. Uh, it's fun to watch kids open Christmas gifts. And when they see that favorite one, they are so excited. And then they open another gift, and it takes about three seconds for them to be bored and go on to the next gift. If God were to draw a picture of Christmas, what would he put in his picture I think God would draw a picture about sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 3.16, we're reminded of, we've got John 3.16 up here. We do have John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's because of God's love that we have Christmas. God so loved you and me. God so loved all people. When I grew up, uh, when I learned about this passage that God loved the world, I thought God loved the globe, and I, I, was, I thought it was really impersonal, you know, that God was out there, and he's looking back at that little spectacle called the earth, and he loved that earth, and gee, that didn't seem real personal to me, and I never got it. And then later, when I was 25 years old, I understood that God loved me as a person. He knows me as a person. He knows everything about me, and he still cares. I thought that was amazing. Um, Christmas is about God sending his son on that very first Christmas day. He sent his son as a gift to us. The passage that, Rain, that Lane read in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, is um, perspective primarily from Mary, Mary's experience that first Christmas. The passage we're going to look at tonight is probably from Joseph's perspective in uh, Mark cha or Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, just listen to, this is... Uh, from Joseph's perspective, the story of the birth of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child 
and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When, G when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And so that's a, a little bit from Joseph's experience. I don't know if you noticed, but Mary's was about twice as long uh, as Joseph. Joseph apparently was a man of few words. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure if he said anything. Joseph faced a serious dilemma when he learned about all of these things. Uh, if we look uh, at verse 18, and uh, Joseph had a problem. This is how the birth of Jesus Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married with Joseph. Let me give you a little bit of uh, background, or at least remind you of some of the first century customs about marriage, quite a bit different than ours. So Joseph and Mary were pledged to be married. That meant that their parents, their families came together and um, created a legal engagement. You know, mom and dad put this together. And, uh, you know, J Joseph and Mary may have been very much for this. But mom and dad created a legal contract, and they were pledged, they were engaged, and the only way it could be broken off was some kind of legal arrange arrangement, like a divorce. Now, um, so the, the first century customs included mom and dad make arrangements, the young man and the young, young woman live in their separate homes with their families for about a year. And this was a test of their moral purity. And uh, they were agreeing to be married. They were waiting this year. And then uh, at the end of about a year, the groom would go to the bride's home with a great fanfare, great celebration, and then he would bring the bride back to his parents, and there would be a great celebration, sometimes lasting for seven days. On the first night of the celebration was wedding night, and likely then the bride would live with the groom's family, perhaps for a very long time, or until husband was well enough off that he could build his own home. Um, so Joseph has this dilemma and we look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Joseph was a righteous man. He, uh, Joseph was a serious man who wanted to follow God and be pleasing to God and to be obedient. Uh, he wanted to follow God's law. And yet he did not want to expose her to disgrace because according to the law, this Pregnancy on the part of um, a, a, a wife that was supposed to not have any kind of uh, relations with her husband until that year was up and after that uh, formal wedding celebration with the families. Someone who had become pregnant, there needed to be some kind of public divorce. And according to the law, even 
that kind of failure could lead to death. And Joseph, he cares about Mary. He's really serious about wanting to do what's right with uh, his walk with God. And he has this predicament about what should he do. Um, Now, what we don't see in Matthew 1 is recorded in Luke chapter 1. And let me just remind you of a couple of things that happened there. If you remember from Luke chapter 1, an angel came, named named Gabriel came to Zechariah, and he announced that he would have a son, and his son would be named John. Zechariah was too old to have kids. His wife Elizabeth was too old to have kids. And Elizabeth became pregnant, just like the angel said. When Mary, the angel came to Mary and announced to her that she would have a son, and she wanted to know how this could be since she had never been with a man, and the angel said, it will be a God thing. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be the son of the Most High God. Now, Mary learned from the angel that Elizabeth was going to have a baby. When Mary learned of this, Elizabeth was six months along in her pregnancy. Mary left Nazareth where, with Joseph, or where Joseph and Mary both lived with their families, and went to visit Elizabeth. I know it's a complicated story. Joseph's life was complicated at this point. Mary was gone for three months. When Mary came back, guess what? She was pregnant. And now the word is out. Perhaps Mary had told Joseph what had happened. That an angel had come to her and and told her that she was going to have a son. Now, if you're Joseph, what do you think? Sure, Mary. I don't know what Joseph thought. But this was hard to believe. The, The woman he was pledged to has become pregnant and he is not the father. That is a pretty significant issue for a young man who's about to be married. In verses 22 and 23, did I just leave out? Yeah. Okay. I'm back. Um, The angel told Joseph, gave this instruction, the angel had uh, verses 20 through 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So God uh, wants to step into Joseph's life and help him out. And God spoke to him uh, through a dream. We don't know who the angel is. The angel gives these instructions in verse uh, 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, don't be afraid. Joseph probably has some real fears. What are people going to think? What are people in, our, in Nazareth going to think? What is my family going to think? This is going to be really hard to believe. But God uh, sends an angel to get Joseph's attention, attention to, to, uh, to listen to what has happened and what God intends and to learn about Mary's heart. Do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Mary hasn't been unfaithful, Joseph. Mary has walked faithfully with her God. And God has chosen her. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus. It's going to be a baby boy. His name is going to be Jesus. This child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It means that this child had a supernatural, miraculous conception. Um, this is not normal. I have never seen or heard of any immaculate, miraculous conception before. This is a miraculous conception, not an immaculate conception. A miraculous conception. A miracle. Some people find this really hard to believe. Because some people have a really difficult time believing in miracles at all. And they come with an anti-supernatural view of life, that miracles aren't possible and therefore this could never happen. Scripture says it did happen. That this, how, this is exactly how God sent his son. And God's plan was um, he was going to come to this earth. And God's plan was that this pregnancy would be miraculous and the father would be God and this child would be God's son in a very unique way. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means savior, literally. Uh, Yahweh is savior. Yahweh is a name for God. That's what Jesus means. That's why God sent his son into this world. That's why there was a first Christmas, because God was sending his son to be a savior, to be the savior. God sent his son on that first Christmas day as a gift to us. This is why God took so much care to announce the birth of Jesus over 2,200 years, all the way back in the book of Genesis, in the life of Abraham, and uh, to uh, David, 2,200 years earlier for Abraham, 900 years earlier for David, 800 years earlier through uh, the prophet Isaiah. That is why the Christmas story is recorded for us in the Gospels. It's not just a nice story about the birth of a, of a baby. It's an actual event recorded just the way it happened. The fulfillment comes in verse 22 and 23. Uh, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord uh, had said through the prophet. Next slide. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Isaiah wrote this 800 years before the birth of Christ. Now Matthew was quoting it. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Before the birth of Jesus, this was really a hard concept to understand. There would be a virgin 
that virgin would give birth to a son, and then uh, he, will, he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel's not his name. Emmanuel is his title. He is God with us, the Son of God, born as an infant, fully God, fully man in the birth of that baby. And we see uh, Joseph's response in verses 24 and 25. Let's look at 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. That's really kind of an amazing response. Uh, he heard what God wanted him to do, and he just up and did it. Uh, it was risky to take Mary as his wife. She was quite pregnant. It was not his child. And Joseph embraced by faith what God wanted him to do. Uh, he trusted God first, and then he set his course for action. We don't know all the details of how this happened. We don't know how uh, Joseph's family or Mary's family accepted their story. However, uh, both Joseph and Mary um, were people who wanted uh, to walk with their God and, and to uh, be fully devoted to him. And um, I'm guessing the reputations came through really quite strong for their families. Sacrificial love uh, in verse 25 on the part of Joseph, but he did not consummate their marriage until they gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So Matthew records, Mary and Joseph had no relations as husband and wife until after the birth of Jesus. And there's no reason to uh, think that Mary uh, remained a virgin all of her life. It seems clear that Mary and Joseph had sons and daughters from passages in Matthew and Mark. It was Joseph who officially named the baby Jesus. That was Joseph's official way of adopting this child to be his own as the son of David. Joseph was the son of David. And this king, this new baby, is the son of David. Jesus is the reason for the season. And the reason God sent his son, Jesus, was to save people from the consequences of their sin. And I want to take a few minutes just to remind us of um, what's the big picture of what the Bible has to say about us? And what is the big picture about what the Bible has to say about this baby named Jesus that God sent uh, 2,000 years ago? Jesus himself said this in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said he is the way to God. He, Jesus Christ is the way to have a relationship with God. Jesus is the way we have access to heaven. He's the only way to experience forgiveness. In Acts 16.31, when, uh, 
when uh, the Acts 16:31, when the Apostle Paul was asked the question, "What must I do to be saved?" He said, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved." What's in a name? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This baby was named Jesus, and he would be a savior, and he would save his people from their sins. The name represents the person and the reputation. The name represents Jesus and what he has done. Um, if you know a little bit about the Bible, you know that uh, in Romans 3.23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all of us, every one of us um, has fallen short. All of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. We all have failed God in some way at some time. The second thing is we have consequences for sin. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Wages of what we earn. Wages of sin is death. That's not just physical death. It's, um, it's a spiritual death. It's an eternal death. It's separation from God. The good news of the reason God sent his son is that Jesus would be born and he would live in this world for about 33 years and he would live without sin and he would teach and he would model and show the way to the Father and then he made the ultimate sacrifice which we celebrated Easter that Jesus would die on the cross and he paid the penalty for our sin. Um, he he became our substitute because everyone deserves the death. That's the consequences. But he paid for it all. His life, because of who he is, God with us, his life is infinitely valuable, way bigger than the sin penalty of the entire world. And he covered it. The good news is it's paid for. The good news is my sin is paid for. I don't deserve it. The good news is your sin has been paid for. No one deserves to, to have their entire sin paid for. No one is good enough. Uh, God has one requirement for us, and that is to believe what he said about his son, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, saved from the penalty of sin, to trust in him, to have faith in what Jesus has done. So what's in the name? In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the writer is talking about, this is Peter speaking, and he's talking about Jesus. There's no other name. It is Jesus. Um, the Bible teaches, and this is what we celebrate on Easter, that uh, Jesus died on the cross and he was placed in, he was in the grave for three days and then after three days he was raised again. We call it the resurrection. And that resurrection demonstrated his victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over the evil one who is Satan. Um, and right now, People, when we think about that you know, Jesus was just a baby or Jesus was just a good moral teacher or Jesus is dead. Right now, Jesus is alive. He's at the right hand of God. 
and he is the way. And, and he invites us to trust in him. We'll, start where, we'll end where we start with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's about believing what God said about his son. He did it because he loves you. He loves every person. And he sent his son. It was a gift. And he invites us to receive that gift by faith. I want to close just by offering anybody in this room who has never placed their faith in Christ before, I would like to give you an opportunity today to put your trust in Christ. One of the ways that we can express faith is by prayer. And uh, here's a prayer. I want to go through it two times. The first time is for you to listen to it and see if it makes sense and see if it's something you want to do. And then I'm going to go through it a second time, and then I'm going to invite us all to bow our heads. And if that prayer um, meant something to you, and I want to invite you to pray it silently from your heart from where you're sitting. The first time through, just everybody, there's no need to bow your heads. Just listen. The prayer goes like this. Can you make this yours if you've never placed your faith in Christ? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you sent your son for me. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross and he paid the penalty for my sins and I trust him right now to be my savior and I invite Jesus to come into my life and I want to ask Jesus to help me to be the person that he wants me to be it can be that simple it's an expression of faith faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved so let's all bow right now just bow our heads just before God right now and if that prayer made sense to you and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I just would invite you to pray silently with me. Dear God, right now I just admit that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you sent your son for me. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I trust him right now to be my savior. And I want to ask Jesus to help me to be the person that he wants me to be. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip up your hand so I could see it? If you just prayed along with me, just slip up your hand wherever you're seated. Thank you. Who else? If you, if you prayed along with me, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Father, I just want to thank you for every person in this room who uh, raised their hand and who indicated they prayed to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I thank you for that. God, I pray that right now they just might sense forgiveness from you. That they might sense that you have given them the gift of eternal life. They might sense your presence with them and that they uh, will just trust in you one day at a time as Jesus comes to help them. Thank you, God, for Christmas. Thank you that you loved us so much that you would send your son. Thank you for the birth of Jesus. And I pray all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
We're so glad that you've joined us tonight to celebrate the Lord's birth. Um, parents, be very careful with the candles. Help your kids. We can put them in the lobby as we go out. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Um, we have uh, a book for uh, those of you who are guests, who are visiting, and it's called The Case for Christmas. We just want you to pick one up and take it with you. And uh, we have uh, a few things out in the lobby. Hope you'll stay and visit. Next Sunday morning, our regular service will be at 10 o'clock in the morning. And you all are invited. God bless you. We're dismissed.